This episode of the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the USGA. We are just five weeks away from the 2017 U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. Golf.com will be there in full force. But will you be? For more information on the event, visit usopen.com. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck, back for another podcast with a knockdown. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, our guest today is Paul Casey, three-time European Ryder Cup star, 13-time winner on the European PGA Tour. Only, I think, 18 guys have won more events than that. Pretty impressive. Paul, thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's like I feel like Ahab, who's you know bagged the great white whale. It's been hard to get you to do this. I know, and you and you sold it so well. I don't know why. Um, I don't know. I think I'm scared of you or something. Um, Rightfully so. Yeah. Um, we should do it again. I know I'm saying that before we've even started, but um, <laughs> so far you've provided a wonderful facility here and, and luxuries that obviously your your listeners can't see. Um, well, we are, we are in like a <laughs> closet here in the scoring center at, at Sawgrass, but I brought you some cold water. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, it's cool, and it's nice as... as as I said to you the other day, I've not had particular success around the players when it's moved to May. So the the, the more I stay off this golf course until Thursday, probably the better. Um, although I do like it. The players is cool. Yeah. Uh, and the changes, I mean, the driveway. Have you seen that driveway coming in? I don't As they the let driveways you... go, it's, it's absolutely spectacular. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that we don't have a wet morning and nobody skids off and ends up on the first tee in their courtesy car. See, that's the difference <laughs> between me and you is I'm rooting for that to happen. <laughs> That would be spectacular. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, Let's be honest. If it's going to happen, it'll happen to Jason Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's good stuff. I mean, this place, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm impressed. Uh, the PGA Tour is such an impressive organi- uh, organization. And um, big announcement this morning. I don't know when this is going to go out, but... Uh, very soon. Very soon. So everybody will know about the big announcements. already happened. Um, so when you hear news like that, do you immediately start shopping for a, a third house or a luxury automobile? <laughs> you got to win it. You know, the fact that they're signing a 10-year deal for hundreds of millions of dollars doesn't mean you're actually going to get any of it. You still got it. That's the beauty of our sport. Well, I mean, the, the purses will certainly go up in general. I think it's more a case of, um, from what I heard, and I and, uh, might be speaking out of turn, I think, uh, one, you've got longevity, which is amazing. Um, Another 10 years. I think the FedEx Cup will bump up a little bit what you see at Eastlake for the overall first prize, which is already a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, but I, I believe there may be a regular season bonus pool as well coming. Yes. Which, and, and I think the players uh, are welcoming that because you get a... Of course they are. You get a... Well, yeah, obviously more money, but you get a Spieth or whoever it is leading a regular money list and all of a sudden... The points get multiplied when you get into the playoffs, and that guy just gets left behind. And there's no reward for what he's done through the entire season. A guy can, and I've, hey, I'm, I love the playoffs because I typically don't yeah. do really great through the regular season. And I have, a, you have one good event, yeah, or a couple of seconds like I had, I did last year, yeah. um, which is obviously great play. But suddenly I'm in the top five in the FedEx Cup at East Lake. It's like you feel like you kind of stole one, yeah. And um, I think there should be, I don't know what they'll do. I think there'll be a money bonus. Uh, hopefully there'll be an exemption as well that goes with winning the regular season points list. And let me ask you, do you ever feel guilty for how much money you make playing golf? No, because um, we win that money. 
It's no sitting on the bench <laughs> when your team loses collecting your paycheck. All right. Um, so, no, I don't. Now, it's a large amount of money. Um, but, no, I don't feel guilty. You're a car guy, right? What? What? Did we just get that flush in the background? <laughs> yeah, we did. That was brilliant. That is so I am good. a car guy. Yeah, I was sitting with uh, Sean O'Hare this morning. He was telling me about some of his, his toys. What does he have? Um, he's got some, he's got some American muscle. Um, he, um, he's had, uh, Corvettes and Mustangs. Uh, he currently, he just bought a Ferrari though, which is so cool. Sean O'Hare with a Ferrari. Sean O'Hare with a Ferrari. Kids and, uh, work on your short games. And he's got a Maserati and I don't want to, you know, I don't like talk. It's one of those things that kind of, um, oh, yeah, I shouldn't talk about somebody else's kind of what he's hiding away, but it's, it's cool. And what I love about Sean is, is he's a car guy and he drives them. He yeah. bought this Ferrari. Now he bought it pre-owned and he got a deal. You know, he's not like chucking the money down the drain. He was no, good, very, good research. It's almost like a Prius. And it, <laughs> wow. Um, but I love the fact he's like doubled or tripled the mileage of this vehicle that he bought within like three months. I mean, it's. I mean, I was in Poulter's museum slash garage. He has Ferraris that have like 400 miles on them. They're 30 years old. It's kind of like, what's the point? I guess it's just a painting at that point. It's an asset, yeah. yeah. Um, in his case, an appreciating asset, which is yeah. difficult to um, find one in the automotive world. Um, but you would want to drive them once. In I a like while. driving them. Yeah, yeah, I like driving them. And um, but that's that's Poulter's thing. And yeah. um, um, I think it's to a certain degree that's sad because cars are meant to be, you know, bikes are meant to be driven yeah. or ridden. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like watches. I buy them. I I wear them. I'm a Rolex guy, but I I try and source out sometimes you know vintage Rolexes and I wear them. How many watches do you have? Mm. You brought it up. <laughs> couple. <laughs> <laughs> a couple dozen or a couple hundred? Uh, yes, maybe. No, no, not hundred. <laughs> maybe a couple dozen. <laughs> we never. Get, what's your car collection? It's poor compared to. It's poor compared to a lot of these guys. I'm a family guy now. Got an SUV. Yeah. yeah. Got, yeah. I've got a, got a little two-and-a-half-year-old and another one on the way. Congratulations. Thank you. I miss my pickup truck. I did. Ha I love pickup trucks. I had a pickup truck years and years ago, and I miss that. I might have to get a pickup truck again. You'd be the, probably the only Englishman in the world with a pickup truck. What's wrong with that? I'm celebrating it. They're so cool. I mean, they're so practical. Agreed. Buying the Christmas tree at the, <laughs> in the Christmas time and moving, you know. Guy says, I need to move a bicycle or furniture. It's so... I love them. They're cool. Now, you've become quite the cyclist, I understand. Um, yeah, it seems like I've got a lot of hobbies, isn't it? We've just touched on three. That's um, good. Is, I, bu is buying stuff really a hobby? No. No, I'm not a consumer. I don't ever close shop. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't enjoy. I, get, I, turn, I literally have cold sweats. So I go into like a, a clothes shop with a wife, and it's like cold sweat. When you're going to buy something? Yeah, I look for the chair in the corner. <laughs> Do you remember those old beer commercials where the guys were watching football underneath the sail rack? Kind of, yeah. you know. <laughs> that would be me. Um, uh, so back to the cycling thing. Yes. I, um, I didn't have a car when I was in college. Couldn't afford a car. Uh, and had bikes when I was young, growing up with my brother. We used to time each other around the, around the block, you know, see how fast we could pedal around the block or... Like, as I said to somebody the other day, like Napoleon Dynamite, you know, you set up the plank of wood over a brick. That is such a good see, reference. And see how, well, I jumped two feet, you know, kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> six inches of air. Um, and that's what we did. And in college, I had, all I had was a bicycle. 
had a couple stolen, which was heartbreaking. Then you realize you just got to buy a really crappy bicycle so nobody will steal it. Or, or um, maybe get a lock. No, you they don't work. <laughs> they're like bolt cutters that they came in. Oh, I don't know. Those D-locks, they, don't, they didn't work in college. Maybe they're better now. Uh, so always loved the bicycle. The bicycle to me was freedom when you're a kid. You get a, you could walk to your buddy's house, but when you get a bike, you know, you can go to town. Yeah. You can go across town. And that was cool. And um, I've always loved it. One of, one, of the man's, one of man's finer inventions, the bicycle. And so still to this day, Arizona's a great place to bike. A lot of mountain biking, a bit of road biking. Um, I still do it. It's a good escape from the golf. Uh, it's good fitness, a good social scene for me. It's cool. What kind of mileage do you do? Um, not as much as I want to or used to. Um, weeks off, I probably anywhere from 100 to a couple hundred miles. Um, I'll be in Italy later this year. I heard about that. We'll, we'll be, uh, I'll probably do, I should take going with Johnny Mac, my caddy, uh, Johnny Longsocks. We're going to Italy, we're going to Verona, and then we end up in the Dolomites later in the week. And we'll probably do about, not mega mileage, probably do about 350 miles for the week, but a lot of climbing. Yeah. Like 40, 50,000 feet of climbing. And that's, a, people can buy into this. It's, it's kind of like a whole adventure, right? Yeah, we, I do it with a group called Ingamba. Um, where it's they kind of treat you like a professional cyclist so you they provide the bicycle for the week and the support so you got the vehicle driving behind with the spare bikes on the roof and that must feel cool it's cool you know you're all dressed up you look like you're a a, a sort of a very sort of uh, overweight slow version of a pro team <laughs> <laughs> um and you you, know, you stay in cool hotels and you drink in the wine in the evening and, and great food and the Italian culture um, and it's cool uh, most of the guys I'll be with are from the Phoenix area I, hope, I know everybody on the trip um, and it's cool it's just a it's my it's my it's my boys week it's my getaway so do you get to hand pick who's who's invited well the guy who who's running the so the, the group I'm hanging out with is, uh, is a, if you ever you ever need a, an expensive bike, go to Bicycle House in, in Old Town Scottsdale. <laughs> Very cool so, uh, store down there owned by a guy called Kale. And it's all of basically Kale's clients and friends. Got it. And so he runs, um, he doesn't run the trips, but he, he has enough, um, you know, guys and girls that want to do this that you basically tailor, tailor made these trips for us through this particular tour group so so you burn um, off all the calories you eat at night basically it's um yeah you ride you know you'll ride 70 80 kilometers a day plus with all the climbing maybe more 100 kilometers a day and you're like not even calorie neutral you're calorie positive by the time <laughs> you're <laughs> drinking the calories at the end of the evening um they are not dry affairs <laughs> <laughs> so please tell me that if you if you got in a race with Camilo Vajegas you'd kick his butt um, on the mountains, I'd have no chance. He's like a little, he's like a hummingbird, isn't he? I mean, he's <laughs> like, he doesn't weigh anything. No, Camilo's a very, very good cyclist. Um, comes from a bit of a cycling sort of family. Um, great terrain where he lives in Colombia, And, uh, and he's very good. On uh, the flat? On the flat. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have a, we'd have a, 
we'd have some fun. Have you guys ridden together? No, we've not. And we, but we talk about it all the time. And he's the first to come, you know, up to me in the in the locker room. And go, hey, let's check out the new frame I'm buying and check out these <laughs> wheels. He's seriously into it. He's a he's a complete cycling pervert, um, <laughs> which is cool. Um, I bet he just loves to wear those tight little shorts. <laughs> What's wrong with those? Once you've ridden a road bike, you understand that those tight little shorts are necessary. Yeah. <laughs> There's a purpose behind those things. See, and I, but I love, I love all forms of biking. I love the mountain biking. I used to go to Whistler uh, and ride with guys like Steve Pete and do downhill. And, that is um, such a good way to get hurt. It is, and which is why I'm not allowed to do it anymore. By order of whom? Nike. <laughs> it's now written in the contract. So years ago, you know, it's been, what now, 13 years or so with Nike, which is awesome. The contract was pretty much, you know, a, a piece of paper. Yeah. And now it's like a book. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm not allowed to do a lot of stuff now. Um, What's, what else is on the list? This interests me. You know, I haven't gone through it. Oh, come on. Um, you're, not to, you're not allowed to become an axe murderer. Um, but, no, no. Seriously, like no extreme sports. Yeah. They're trying to protect their... Can you ski? Technically, no, because I dislocated my shoulder snowboarding, so I think snow sports are out. The cycling thing... you say thing, technically, that, that implies that well, there's some wiggle room. No, it's meant to be kind of ex- no extreme sports. Yeah. And so, you know, I could probably get in trouble for the cycling thing, but yeah. it's then how extreme do you want to do it? Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna put a governor. You can't go more than twenty miles an hour downhill in the Pyrenees. Uh, yeah, but you have to live. I mean, this is a this is the the difficult thing, and um, yeah, it it's it sucks just as much for the player, uh, if not more so for the player when injuries happen. Um, it's just you know my injury with the snowboarding. It's just it's frustrating when it's an out of sport, out of golf injury rather than you know guys plenty of guys get injured way more injuries in golf than people realize you you see it a lot Uh, a lot of niggly stuff kind of just repetitive i always tell people when they when they complain about golfers getting injured take a metal stick and pound it on the ground 300 times and and see how your joints feel yeah it's it's the little tears and 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 small fractures hairline fractures that appear and things like that um wrists and backs and it's, it's, it's part and parcel of, I've got, I had three weeks off um, after the Masters to try and just address injuries and take some time off and rest. And I've got oh, my old turf toe. I've got no cartilage in my big toe on my right foot. It's excruciating. It is every day. Chronic pain. Every step I take, it hurts. But you just, you man up. As they say, you know, 200 milligrams of man up. <laughs> and get on with it. But And, and I'm not the only one. You know, guys have... Um, I mean, who's not playing this week? Snedeker's got a wrist injury or hand injury. and Yeah, he's a delicate flower. <laughs> um, Rory, you know, had intercostals or rib issues. I had those too. Poulter had a, he's got foot injuries. I mean, I, I can't keep track of it. What is the toe just from wear and tear or is it a specific injury? Yeah, uh, it's wear and tear and it was, it's, we believe it came from bad technique. So instead of, yeah, you look at some of these guys who've got beautiful footwork, like Rory has beautiful footwork, where that right foot for a right-handed golfer stays down pretty much at impact, and then he rolls it to the inside and then up onto the toe. So there's very little pressure that goes through the, the toe, whereas I used to come, I still do, I come up on the right heel on my way down, so I'm not getting full 
I'm not using the ground as well as somebody like Rory does. And then I push off on that right toe instead of rolling onto the inside of the foot and then onto the toe. So interesting. The years of coming up off of that heel and smashing that right toe into the ground to try and create power, I've destroyed it. <laughs> so really, Peter Costas has, has robbed you of your car. Correct, yes. <laughs> no. Um, yes. <laughs> That's an interesting relationship. I mean, you guys have been together forever. And I can remember times when you've been in contention, he's commentating and he has to interview you after the round. You, you kind of pretend like you have a normal relationship. Tell me how that came to be and how you've lasted so long. Uh, it's, it came to be, as soon as I left college, I was playing in a pro-am at Greyhawk. Um, in fact, it might still be, yeah, we played in the, um, it was the Tommy Bahama. I don't know if you ever heard about that. Yeah, game, I remember that. It, yeah. was cool. it still goes, it's still crazy. And um, playing a practice round, at Greyhawk and he was in my group and he just said look do you have you got a coach you work with anybody teacher I said nope and he goes well you want to ever come see me just come see me and uh, that was 17 years ago so and you just shot like 25 under at the pack 10s right uh 23 well, under so yeah but yeah. I, I my technique and you know it's it's better now but it's never been as good as some of these guys out here and it was pretty ugly when I came out of college yeah I was predominantly self-taught uh and or i would take advice from whoever was there if it was a <laughs> college coach or a, you know you're playing county golf or national golf in the uk and there's a coach he'd give some advice you just take it um and so yeah for 17 years peter's pretty much all i've known um but i love his his knowledge on the golf game is, once you get to know him, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, he, he learned from Sneed and Tusky and these guys. He used, to, he used to tell me stories of when he was a whippersnapper, which was a long time ago, <laughs> uh, sitting on the golf cart at these golf digest schools um, with Sneed because the, the paying um, clients didn't want to, they couldn't uh, hit golf balls all day on the driving range. So they sent him off the golf course and, and he would learn from sitting there with Sam and Sam not giving any answers, he'd kind of sort of make you figure it out for yourself. That's where he learned how to learn the majority of his, a lot of his knowledge. Um, and so he's, he's great at it. I mean, we, and to me, there's no, there's never been any reason to, you know, doubt, uh, although I thought about it a lot, you know, I always analyze what he's telling me, but to me, there's no better authority for me on the game of golf. Um, and I always put him in a category of, there's some great teachers out here, but he's somebody who, you know, as he puts it, he might not help you, but he'll never hurt you because yeah. he's very old school. You know, he understands the modern technology, launch monitors and uses video right. cameras, but he doesn't have to rely on it. He can literally go, you know, strengthen this or aim a little bit further left or do this. And, and it's, and he goes to the root cause all the time. There's no crazy theories. There's no <laughs> mad ideas. Um, because we've seen those guys come and go. For sure. The sort of method yeah. uh, teaching. Whatever happened to stack and tilt? I can't remember. I wasn't going to throw <laughs> anybody under the bus. <laughs> that's, that's my job, Paul. Um, so, yeah, I put him in there with, uh, I'm just trying to think of old school teachers when Bob Torrance was with us or even, uh, you know, Butch Harmon and these guys. They're just yeah. cool. They're just not going to, they're not going to mess you up. Yeah. And Peter's right there with them. Now, I remember Peter saying on a few occasions that if, if you didn't win multiple major championships in your career, you would be disappointed. So he's clearly disappointed. 
plenty of time left. <laughs> yeah, Stenson got his first 40, was he, last year when yeah. he won? Um, I mean, when you hear something like that, does it, as a, as a player, does it inspire you or does it become a burden? No, I, I've got to the point where it's, it's no longer, it's not a burden. Uh, I probably thought about it a few years ago. Um, it's still, in, to me, I'm still inspired. And, um, you know, I think it's, I look back on it and I'm very fortunate I played uh, during the great Tiger era when, you know, he was just ridiculous. I mean, he actually didn't have a lot of opportunity to win majors when you look back on it because it's Tiger. And if Tiger didn't win, it was Phil or Ernie or Goose or one of these other guys who, um, it, it was slim pickings. Um, now I've got a different set of problems in, you know, Dustin Johnson and Rory and these <laughs> kinds of guys, Jordan. Um, so I'm fully capable of doing it. I need a little bit of luck, I have to admit. I've got to play some great stuff and get fortunate. And now, one quick message from the USGA. You may know the USGA for their 14 annual championships, which are widely regarded as the ultimate tests in golf. But there's more to the USGA than just the golf competitions. In fact, USGA scientists are currently working on what they call health of the game solutions. They're helping golf facilities reduce the reliance on water. The USGA innovation team has launched a resource management app that helps course superintendents better allocate their resources and ensure a better experience for golfers. That better experience is exactly what the USGA wants golf to be both now and 50 years down the line in the future. That's why they're also modernizing the game's rules in conjunction with the RNA over in Scotland. And with that, they want your help. Visit USGA.org to check out the list of proposed rules changes that are expected to go into effect January 1, 2019. You can share your feedback with golf's governing bodies there online and help them in their grassroots growing of the game. And now, back to Alan Shipnuck and Paul Casey. I mean, three top sixes in a row at Augusta. How many three putts did you have this year? Uh, six or so. Yeah. Something like that. Six or seven. And Sergio had one. Yeah. I mean. I know. Thanks for highlighting that. But um, <laughs> Just in case, you know, can I just twist that knife a little more? No, you but, can. No, but that's what I mean. I, I've, I've, the skills are there. And um, yeah, putting wasn't great this year. But the point is, I mean, if you're giving up, that's six shots you give up to Sergio. And it's ifs and buts. Of course. And, and he... Sergio probably got, well, if I hadn't hit it left on 13, there's a shot. And if yes. I hadn't done this. So we can all do that. Right. But the uh, point is, Sergio's not, like, we can be honest, he's not a world-class putter per se. So you outplayed him to green. That's got to give you some confidence. I Hey, there's plenty of, yeah, there's plenty of confidence. And I'm, I feel good about the game. Um, but I'm, I'm not getting caught up and I'm not getting, uh, I don't get bothered by, oh, I haven't won a major. So it's not bothering me currently. It probably is, say, it bothers Peter Costas. <laughs> it does, but, and I work incredibly hard, and it's at the top of the list of things I want to achieve on the golf course. Um, and I, you try and play this, and I'm, I'm not becoming soft at any means, but you play this, um, this balance between you know, what you want to achieve on the golf course professionally and what I want to achieve as a person and as a husband and a father and... And that's uh, getting that balance. I think I have a really good balance. And I don't take that, let's say, 
that burning passion to win a major. I don't take that home and sit at home and mope around and sit in my office scheming on how I'm going to have, you know, global domination on the golf course and <laughs> drive my drive my wife nuts or something like that or not play with my my little boy. That's the most important thing to me. And if I had to sacrifice one, it would the golf would be the sac- sacrificial lamb. I mean, there's something to that. Whether you look at Ben Hogan or Nick Faldo or Tiger Woods, I mean, some of these guys who are hyper-focused may not have been the best human beings during their playing days. I mean, do you have to be kind of an asshole to, to be the best player in the world? Um, I would say no, because I would use some of the crop of young guys as Exhibit A. Uh, I mean, Phil or something is Exhibit A. I mean, Phil's... I haven't seen behind closed doors, but by all accounts, I mean, great father, great husband. Um, look at the young guys. Look at guys like Ricky. Okay, guys will go, he hasn't won a major. He's not global dominant. But what a cool guy. Ricky's not changed since being on tour. Rory's cool. Dustin's right. cool. Um, no, you- I don't think you have to, because I agree, and I know those some of those guys you've mentioned. And uh, Yeah, so there's some, and there are, tough individuals and some people might throw the older guys might throw out the argument oh these guys are soft they're playing for too much money it's too easy nowadays they get the courtesy car and the private jet i don't know if these guys are soft i think you can still win and smile It'd yeah. be nice there is something to modern modern fatherhood too i mean you're i think in different era guys could just check out and hit balls all day and it was that was the gender roles were a little more clearly defined now you have to be the, the fully involved dad. You have to, I mean, there's even more competition for your time, I think. Yes. Um, I don't think you, by a flip it and say, you don't necessarily have to hit golf balls eight hours a day like the guys used to. Guys can't. I mean, Jason Day is tearing himself to pieces and he doesn't seem to play a lot anyway. Imagine yeah. if he used to have the, if he had a practice schedule like some of the older guys. Yeah. My goodness, he'd be done. And you don't want to see that. You don't want to see those injuries in guys. Yeah. So um, guys are so aggressive the way they hit the golf ball now um, and technically um, pretty sound. You don't have to spend the eight hours a day. I would rather focus uh, for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour on some great, you know, ball striking with the woods and maybe do a couple of hours on the putting green and an hour or two around the chipping green and go home. You yeah. can do it in four or five hours yeah. or less. Yeah, efficiency is important for sure. Yeah, time management, which I'm not the, the master at, but <laughs> still trying to get better. So you mentioned that, that winning a major is at the top of the list for what you want to accomplish. Where does the Ryder Cup fit in now? Hey, um, oh, it, fits, it fits in there, but I'm not eligible. What is your avenue to, to getting – explain to the listeners how you can play in another Ryder Cup. I have to be a member of the European Tour. And you just flat out refuse? No. Um, so we're going on two and a half years now since or whenever it's however long it's been that um, I didn't renew my membership. And the reason for not re- renewing my membership two and a half years ago, three years ago, was because I was outside the top 50 in the world. I was struggling. Um, just become a father and uh, thinking how can I do this I'm struggling on both tours and uh, you know family is now now I'm a, now I'm a father I got this little baby how can I do this and you look at it and you go well 
something has to give. And that's what gave. I've lived in Arizona 20 years. Um, it's home. And when I didn't renew my membership, nobody even commented on it. That was the thing people forget. It was just, I wasn't talked about. Right. Which is fine. I, then you started playing well. Yeah, and then everybody just assumed that you'd, I'd rejoin the tour. Now my world ranking, I'm back inside the top 50. And I go, well, hang on. The reason I fell out the top 50 is because I'm trying to do so much. If I just rejoin, it's will what happened happen again? And so I'm like, I don't want to, you know, I like the current situation. I, I like the quality time I can spend with my family. And... Uh, PJ Tour is becoming so difficult to be competitive on, and I'm getting older. No, I want to do another year of doing what I've done. And so then you come around again, <laughs> and now it's like it's an even bigger animal because now yeah. I'm slightly higher in the world ranking. And, right. and, and every time we've looked at it and gone... But the Euro Tour keeps dropping the number of tournaments you have to play, it seems like. No, it didn't. It didn't. It still was... It just rephrased the way... Uh, the ruling sounds. So it used to be 13 and now it's five. Yeah. It was 13 because they were counting the majors and the world golf events. Yeah. So it's still the same number. Yeah. You have to play five abroad. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you take five and then you take to play over there and you take five away from your PGA Tour schedule yeah. and, you know, and you have a little injury or something like this, you end up with a Poulter situation. Right. Or guys who have been struggling recently, like Luke Donald or something like that. I know he played very well the other day and his, his guaranteed annuity at Harbour Town, where he finishes guaranteed top two. He's amazing yeah. around that place. Yeah. But you, you, it doesn't take a lot over here for you to slip and drop drastically and struggle. And that's never mentioned. Um, it's very easy to focus on. These guys have been amazing for such a long time. Um, Justin Rose, Sergio right. Garcia, Henrik. These guys have never faltered, which is so amazing. Doesn't sound like you're budging from your position here. Currently, no. Um, Even Europe getting its butt kicked in the Ryder Cup is not going to motivate you. It's not easy to watch. Genuinely, um, I mean, because your your team record spectacular. We went four zero in the Walker Cup. You've won the World Cup, the Seve Trophy, with the Eisenhower. I mean, you're a stone cold killer, Paul. I love match play and I love team events. Um, and it wasn't easy. You know, watching Clarky as a captain, I feel for those guys. You know, it's like your one opportunity as a captain, and then you, you, yeah. it doesn't pan out the way he wanted it to. And from my side, where I sit, and he seemed like he did so much good. Um, he just didn't have enough firepower. He was missing a Paul Casey. And can we move on? <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what to tell you is the answer. Um, I've got so. I mean to to. To make this a more difficult decision, uh, I've got another one on the way. I'm going to be a dad again in September. If it's a boy, name him Ryder. <laughs> okay. That would be such an F you to the whole golf world. Do you want to know something funny? Yes. My son Lex, his middle name is Samuel. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so that's not, I'm, I'm, not into, I'm not into the, you know... No, I'm not into... Given it that, you know, here's the finger and no, I'm not. That's there's no revenge, there's no um no, there's no ill will, there's no there's none of that. I wish I could just turn up and be a part of it if I'm you know uh, able to 
you know accumulate enough points it's the it's the logistics that go into it which has yeah. been the, the difficulty the last couple of years trying to get your head around it so um, but you know Keith Pelly is from and I've sat down a lot with him um, I think he's doing a lot of really cool stuff yeah I'm a fan um, I liked watching the 60s the other day. Me too. It looked a bit miserable on Saturday when it was dull, but when the sun came out on Sunday, it looked really cool. Um, I think it's cool stuff. I really do. And he's got a lot of a lot on his plate. Um, you know, e- economy, politics. I mean, it's it's all going on. I mean, he's right. it's a big headache. I mean, the players are kind of the... I, I, I seem to be focused on, um, and yet, which I'm fine with, but he's also got to keep guys over there. You know, I'm, I kind of seem to be the one that's sort of defected or something. I mean, it's... Um, well, is it fair I, the, the the European tour is using the Ryder Cup as kind of leverage to make no, guys play? No, that's always been an issue. Uh, I want it to be able to stand on its own without the Ryder Cup. And then they want to, too, as well. Uh, but you've got so many elements to go into that they have to uh, try and overcome. As I said, it, you economy and, and politics and um, goodness me you're looking at what's happening in like Turkey and stuff like that and you think that's where these guys are later on this year you've got security issues right boy oh boy it's tricky stuff um, I don't know what the answers are I don't have the answers to the problems but Keith knows that I'm still and I want to be a part of the European tour family it's where I cut my teeth, and you know, if it wasn't for Ken Schofield giving me invites when I started, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. So, um, as I said uh, a year or so ago to somebody else, I said, I, I'm going to play another Ryder Cup. I don't know when it is, but I'm going to play another one before I'm done. Okay, I like that. Your chaperone just arrived to, to take you away. So let me, this is, this is a question I have for you. You're English. You married an English bird. Yes, bird. <laughs> you know, you pulled an English bird. I'm trying to use the vernacular here. But you live in, in the suburbs of Arizona. So are your kids going to be just little American rascals? Or do you, how, how, do you, how do you preserve your heritage? <laughs> uh, I'm a mongrel anyway. Uh, Dad's South African. Mom's English. Um I live in Paradise Valley. What a great name for a town that is. Um, I don't know. We're so... The world has become so uh, intertwined, close. Borders are kind of falling. Um, my poor little boy, he's got an English accent right now, but he's only two and a half. And his English, really? Yeah, it's all going to, you know. He should keep it for the birds. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, you went, to, you you, sh- you rolled up to ASU with English he was, accent. He was born in Lambeth, my little yeah. boy. He's a Lambeth boy, South London. Couldn't be any better. Uh, yeah, in the great in the great hospital there, St Thomas, St John's, uh, right opposite uh, Houses of Parliament, you know, next to Westminster Bridge. Um, See, look at you. You're getting all misty. I'm no, it is. It's very, very it. cool. That no, was really cool. Uh, it was great. It was right the other day, right where the, uh, that really awful terrorist attack happened the other day, and they. People ended up in that hospital because of it. It's a great place. I love the people in there. So it's that's home. Um, but I've, I say, I've spent majority of my adult life in Arizona, and I love that too. I'm, I am, I am a uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I'm a guest. That's a good place to be. All right. Well, 
I, I'll take up on your offer to do this again. Does that still stand? Yes, that yeah. still stands. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't burn that up. No, you haven't burned that. Okay. But you can't mention the Ryder Cup. Well, since you said you're going to play another one, I'm, I have to, we have to keep getting the scoop on it. But it's really cool. I mean, think of uh, Ryder Cup. When's the Ryder Cup going to be at Bethpage? How cool is that going to be? How noisy is that going to be? be? Noisy. It's awesome. Uh, and I've always loved that. And that's the thing. Plus, you, Phil's you, going to be the captain. Oh, that's the best. It's, um, I mean, it's so raucous. When we played there last year, uh, what was the Barclays? Now it's going to be the Northern Trust. Um, it's just the coolest thing. And I, I've, I love that about the PGA Tour. Um, some of the places we go, just the most hysterical crowds, and I really enjoy that. Um, some people say they get a little, gets a little boisterous, but that that Long Island crowd is good fun because <laughs> I you just have to embrace it. It's the only thing you can do with it. Um, Ryder Cup is going to be so intimidating for nobody who's ever one played that golf course because it's a beast, and two yeah. that crowd is going to be immense. If Sergio's on that team, going back to the scene of the crime, that, that's going to be amazing. Uh, so, yeah, but Sergio's softened, um, and now he's a Masters champion. Yeah, but the people of Long Island have not softened. They remember the finger, Paul. They remember the finger. <laughs> Did he give him? That was, wasn't yeah, it? that was Bethpage. Oh. That's going to be juicy. I love, see, I love that about the, the Ryder Cups. <laughs> as cool as like the Presence Cup is, it will never be no. a Ryder Cup. Presence Cup's not even that cool. So. I've not been. Should go really sometime. When's the next one's this year? Yeah, uh, I prefer you play a European tour event that week instead. Instead of going to the President's Cup. <laughs> uh, just it maybe noted there is a PGA Tour official in the room, so this is who <laughs> just throws hands up in disbelief. <laughs> All right, no, go in the President's Cup. Fabulous, you'll have a great time. <laughs> I, I would totally endorse that. I'd like. I tell you what, I want to go see this year. Which uh, again, I'm spacing. I want to say it's at LA Country Club. Is Walker Cup? Yeah, that's gonna be sweet. Which is, I think, the week off in the FedEx Cup in the playoffs schedule, which would be really, really cool. Well, not to mention it's going to Seminole, it's going to Cypress Point. The Walker Cup is now the coolest event. It is golf. cool, and I, and I didn't know. And for any young person, there's probably no young people going to listen to this. Sorry, Alan. Uh, you're, I don't know what your demographic is, but um, it's amazing how when you've played these events and you've represented your country, yeah, um, and you've played a Walker Cup or an Eisenhower, uh, and been on a, a sort of a world stage and amateur golf, it actually resonates and it carries, stays with you through your career whether you end up playing professional or not it's something I had no idea when I ended up at um, a seminar a couple of years ago and bumped into Bob Ford and he's like can I can I talk to you about the Walker Cup when you played it then and I'm like wow this thing just it lives with you and it's cool Um, and anybody who's any young amateur who's thinking "Ah, eh, I I don't want to I'm not interested in playing this stuff I want to turn professional I'm going to go college professional just hang on a second It, it matters it means something it can elevate your professional career even though you may not realize it at this moment. It's a cool thing, and I'm really glad I got to not just be part of a Walker Cup, we're part of a cool one. It was a classic. It was a classic, yeah. It was awesome. Nan. Brilliant. All right, people are coming to take you away. You want to give me one Walker Cup memory for the road? It was last century. I mean, it's, this is ancient um, history now. Oh, such a long time ago. Um is a random, just a, it's a silly bit of trivia, but my caddy for the week, um, I mean, it was some great moments. I mean, I played John Spider Miller in the singles, and Luke was my partner in the four, in, in, as the pairs, as foursomes. But 
Um, silly trivia, my caddy for the week, a guy called Dave Clark, who I played county golf with, he wanted to play golf as we all did back then, we didn't know who was going to play. Uh, it was his first ever caddying gig. Drove all the way up in his little Vauxhall, you know, 12 hours to get to How did you Scotland. choose him? Just a mate. We played county yeah. golf together. His, uh, uh, he lived uh, not far from where I grew up. And um, if you had said back then, you fast forward how many years, uh, 18 years, that, you know, I'll be on the PGA Tour playing, and Dave, you'll be a caddy on the tour he would have gone, nah, there's no way. And you look at it now, and he's caddied for me. He caddied for me a few years ago. Uh, he caddied for Vijay Singh, and he's currently on Adam Scott's bag, which is pretty cool. And it all started at the Walker Cup. Now he gets the best-looking gallery on the PGA Tour. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, it's cool stuff. So you never know where, where it will take you. There you go. It took you all the way to this broom closet in the scoring center of the TPC Sawgrass. So, Paul, thank you for doing this. It was My a great pleasure. pleasure. Thank you. We're going to do it again. We will. All right. Thanks, buddy. There you have it. This is Alan Shipnuck signing off with another Knockdown podcast. We already have some other good ones in the can for future weeks. I hope you'll tune in for those as well. Thanks. Bye-bye.